That game, so I played it. It's pretty fun, but it's just... I wish just, there was a campaign or a story to it, yeah. Yeah, and that's one thing that's driving me a little nutty with video games nowadays. It's like when we were growing up, I remember single player was where it was at because there was no type of online play. Like PS1 didn't have... Online came to the consoles with the PS2. Remember that modem they yeah. sold that you could add on? Yeah. And then it was like you had to have dial-up or broadband. Some games would play on dial-up. Others was mm -hmm. only broadband. And it was like, oh, this is so awesome. And I remember playing like the um, NFL, like 2K1 and yep. stuff. Yep. <laughs> and, and nowadays, uh, like that's where I think video games kind of lack is we don't get like solid campaign single no. player that no. much anymore. No. It's very online focused. And I see the the uh the draw to it like it's really cool but at the same time i don't like doing it especially like in um like first person shooting and stuff i miss the solid single player campaigns in those um because now a lot of them are so multiplayer online based that when i ever jump on to the multiplayer for like the new call of duty i get my ass kicked well, by like 12 well, year olds yeah you're playing against people that you know spend eight hours of their life on this every day and it's like dude i got life i got job i got kids i got stuff to do like i can only play like an hour or two a night or something yeah and it's just it's so crazy the time that people um have to dedicate to video games i mean i think back when we were younger and i'm like yeah you know we definitely spent a lot of time on video games but we didn't like lose ourselves and like yeah. youth nowadays i think they're so enveloped in like oh, yeah. the social media social world and all these digital worlds that they just go into like they go into oh, yeah. their room and then they disappear into their worlds online yeah it's like you know raising three girls <laughs> i mean i'm dealing with that right now with them all being in the teenager age it's like you know it's all about phones and just i mean it was crazy to go to their junior high on you know walk into the school for introductions and stuff and there was literally a group of girls sitting there and they were all talking to one another but they were all just sitting on their phone texting one another not actually having a real conversation it's crazy it is yeah and i mean i work with youth day in and day out and i've seen a huge change i've been working in the education system for about 11 years now yeah and when i when i came out of high school cell phones and iPods were just barely coming on. Yeah. Like I remember my first phone was a cricket flip phone. It yep. had snake on it, the snake game. And it oh, was yeah. like, it would snake around. <laughs> yep. and I was like, this is awesome. Yep. And then, um, the first iPhone came out. I remember my sister bought me one and put me on her plan. I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> but there was still like the technology was so new that like you didn't get lost in it. Yeah. And now, like you say, kids, they have nicer phones you, than me. You know what's crazy is you see, and you probably see this with elementary, you see a kid in first grade walking around with a thousand dollar phone in his, in his pocket. I'm like, how does your parents afford all this? That's <laughs> no joke. And they, I mean, they're like already that iPhone, what, 14 or 15 came yeah. out. There's kids on my bus with that phone in elementary school. Yeah, and they're just like, yeah, I got the new shit, you know? It's yep. like, what the? <laughs> yeah. They're like, what are you rocking, Marcus? I'm like, 
well, I just <laughs> barely upgraded to the 13. <laughs> like. But also, too, like, it gets to a point where, like, with cell phones, like, I've had to teach, like, my wife that, too, where she was always had to have the latest and greatest. And it's like, you know, if it does what it, you need it to do, then why upgrade? My, so I had an iPhone SE, uh-huh. like that's low model, whatever, yeah. $300 iPhone. Mm-hmm. And then I bought the iPhone 13. Literally, I can't tell the difference. I don't use it for the range of possibilities that the 13 has that it yeah. can do. Yeah. And I don't even know about the 15 now. And it's just like, I, I don't know. Like we have trained ourselves to be so addicted to tech, mm-hmm. technology and mm-hmm. always trying to stay up on the newest and greatest thing. Yeah. And I mean, it's the same thing with like cell phones, mm-hmm. uh, cameras, computers. The one thing that's actually kind of nice is console gaming takes a little while. Like they release a console. Yeah, there's a ten year period of before they come out with a new console, you know? So yeah, you do get that time, you know? Yeah. So you don't feel like you're buying a new console every other year, but phones are just boom, 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 boom. And it's so funny that they, I mean, wasn't it Apple was involved in a lawsuit not too long ago where they were purposefully degrading their batteries through the software or something. So people yeah. have to upgrade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I that? mean, Apple, Apple does that with all their, like, you know, all their stuff. I mean, like their computers, now they say, well, to run the latest OS X, you have to have a, a 20, I think it's 2019 or better S- system. computer. Yeah. Know, either it be an iMac or a MacBook. I mean, that's how they capitalize people to go get the new and latest and greatest, you know? Oh, I know. And I, like I'm running a 2015 iMac. I thing ran fine. It still runs fine. I upgraded the RAM in it a little yeah. bit, added a little bit more RAM. But... It seems like with every software update, it gets slower and slower. Oh, yeah, I'm like, they're purposefully doing this to me. They do. They do. I mean, they want you to, they want you to buy the new latest and greatest. Oh, and I was floored by Apple. Like, I used to be like an Apple fanboy, like mm-hmm. you know, Apple this, Apple that. Yeah. And I bought one of their latest MacBook Pros. I bought it about a year and a half ago when it was the latest model and it had mm-hmm. the SDXC card reader back, right? Right. That thing is the most worthless SDXC card reader I've ever seen in my life. I can put my memory card into my iMac, reads it, pulls it up, and I can see preview thumb, thumbnail yeah. files of all of my photos right there to look at. Yeah, I put it in this MacBook Pro, and it's just stuck with like the this. You know how they have like the preview icon, but mm-hmm. it's like the software that's supposed to open it. Yeah, so I don't get any previews of the images. So I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, this is supposed to, like, how am I supposed to work? As a, I don't want to have to download my whole memory card so you're like, to view I the g- files. Yeah, you're like, here I go on Amazon to buy a hub reader to e- give. No, <laughs> even with the hub readers, it doesn't. It still doesn't? It's slow as shit, and I don't know wow. why. So so I made a, um, a appointment at the Apple Genius Bar <laughs> in the, in the freaking mall, went there with my computer, showed them the problem. They're like, oh, yeah, this is... This is really crap. And, um, I'm like, but yeah. let me introduce you to the new MacBook so, Pro. <laughs> this is what he did. I'm like, I'm curious. Bring out the newest model. Let's throw my memory card in it. And let's see if it does it on that same exact issue. Oh wow! And I looked at him. I'm like, this is such a major part of my workflow. 
I won't buy another MacBook yeah, ever guys, again. You guys just say this is the pro line. I'm yeah. expecting pro. <laughs> exactly. And I'm getting like 1995. <laughs> My Windows 95 could probably pull this stuff up faster than this. Yeah, I feel like I'm on dial-up 56K. <laughs> yeah, and so I went down a deep dive online on the MacBook rumors and all that. And it's not just mine. It's a ton of them having oh, yeah. problems with this. And it's yeah. like, what the hell, you know? It's I, like, think, I think a lot of it plays into... Um, that they make their own silicone now. They they don't, um, you know, they aren't getting their chips from Intel. They aren't getting their chips from AMD. So Apple's like, when a Apple did this before in their history and it failed um, when they did it, when they wanted to make their own chips and, the, and their just performance, nothing was compatible with it. You know, they tried to write the code and the programs to make it work with it, but it won't. So... <laughs> Yeah, well, and I mean, eventually they'll probably will go back to Intel unless, you know, they can keep, you know, I mean, the sheep will come to the flock. Yeah, <laughs> once, and that's my hardest thing is like, I'm like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to break off and I'm going to go to a different operating system and everything. But I'm so, I have so much money invested in Apple. All my program and software yeah. is to run on Apple. Yeah. I have an iPhone. Well, uh, and also too, what's hard is, when you do make that transfer from, like, I just recently went, I retired my MacBook Pro because it's like a 2013. Was that my old one? Um, or did you yeah, have one? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I ended up fixing that one up and I just, like, I ended up retiring it and let my wife use it. And then I went to a Windows based laptop. But, like, when you do the initial pull all your files to the new system, there's like so much trial and error because. Some things will act like it's corrupt, but it's not. And you just, it's true. Um, yeah. And I don't want to deal with it. And then Apple's got me. The one thing they got me on is AirDrop. I yeah. love AirDrop because I can just do it through all my devices well, everywhere. And it's so well, and simple. Well, too, with yours, like, you don't, like, you do everything on Affinity Photo. And you don't know if you take your files from Affinity Photo from the Mac version to the Windows, to the Windows version, version. If it's in be compatible and you open the project and you're like what i lost all those hours into that edit yeah and that, <laughs> therein lies a whole nother thing with technology is like these uh photo processors from affinity photo adobe on one you know all these different companies that make them yeah and adobe is like is like the app like apple is like for the i mean they have marketed themselves as the mm -hmm. computer for the creative person yeah. so almost everyone i know that works in graphic design photography something They're is running in Macs, Apple. ipads all that yeah but then everyone i also know that's in the creative realm they all run in adobe and i'm like so anti-adobe i'm like me i'm too. not doing it dude me too <laughs> uh, me i actually had discussion at work about because we have this new guy working with us justin and he's like a adobe horror and that dude literally will he'll be like dude premieres the the standard it's the you know and i'm like i i get premieres the standard and the the be all you know for video editing but mm -hmm. i'm like for me my time's precious and i rather edit on either final cut pro or imovie um there's another editor i use called moavi which is really good um it's like final cut pro but for windows and stuff and you can use on mac and their packages and their deals on like on their add-ons and everything it was really cheap yeah well and then the other thing and like 
this it's a streamlined process like premiere is very it's can be simple but it's also complex it's not something for someone who just wants to put out a quick video yeah i mean you'll spend hours rendering i mean when i look at adobe adobe's timelines and stuff when with editing i'm just like you know it's great that you have all those options but if you're in a time crunch to make like especially if i do all the videoing at my office Mm -hmm. and my time's precious like i don't have time to sit there and fuck with premiere for hours on end just to be oh i got a fucking premiere project yeah (laughs) it's like i want to get this shit done and rolling because i got like 12 other videos i need to get done like i don't got time for this shit like (laughs) well and adobe's very smart in the way they do things like for instance, Affinity is a one-time buy. It used to be like how Adobe was. A one-time mm-hmm. buy, you buy the software, and then in four years, three years, they'll come out with an updated one, you buy that one. Yeah. But then for that four years, you own the software, and you don't have to even upgrade if you don't want to. Yeah. Adobe doesn't do that. It's all subscription-based, and that's oh, yeah. how a lot of technology is going nowadays. Oh, it's yeah. subscription-based. I, mean, I mean, my boss pays, I think, like $100 a month for the Adobe package. And, and he's like, why don't you use them? I'm like, I hate Adobe. <laughs> yeah. I'm I, like, I just cannot stand the subscri- subscription based software. Yeah. And then they, they actually got caught um, somewhere in their user agreements. Mm-hmm. Cause no one reads those. Right. Right. Because they have the Everybody's Adobe like, cloud where you can store all your stuff and everything. Yeah. In their user agreements somewhere you were signing away the rights to your work. So they've taken and basically not stolen because people signed up for this, yeah. but they are they used a lot of photographers' work yeah. to train their new AI system. Well, and also too. So one thing like like for you being a creator and a photographer and a videographer, um, like say if you're doing the Adobe stuff, they'll take your shit and put it on their it's called Adobe stock. And they, it's all stock pictures, stock video footage of uh, accumulation of things that they've gotten where they have the rights to it, and then they sell it to people. Yeah, and that is, to me, insane how... I mean, it's so hard to protect your work nowadays. Yeah, because, I mean, like, for me, when I video edit, you know, my boss is like, well, we need a shot of, you know, the mountains or an aerial... I mean, we don't have the time or the money or the resources to go out there and spend 10 grand on a photographer, yeah. you know, videographer, drones. and. <laughs> so do you just go to the stock websites? So, um, there's one site I use called, it's called like Invento. Um, and they have like stock pictures, stock videos, and you do a subscription, then you can use their videos without the watermarks and stuff. Gotcha. And so we do a lot of that because... You know, a lot of times we don't have time to shoot professionally and, you know, time is yeah. effort with business. And I, I totally understand the concept of stock photography. But, but it, yeah, but you, if you're not getting the royalties off of that and you're getting screwed over by Adobe, then you're like, fuck you, Adobe. Well, and another <laughs> thing is stock photography is on the way out because now the Adobe AI engine has learned so much about photos. It knows how to create photos just by you typing in some prompts so it's very scary when i look at the world of like the creative Mm -hmm. person because let's say models yeah stock photographers product photographers musicians that make like music for Mm -hmm. 
advertisements, things of that nature. All of that is going to be already yeah. is in place, but yeah. in the future, jobs for that are going to be so minimal if non-existent mm -hmm. because AI is so good at copying everything yeah. we've made and it's learned and now it can create those images. So Nike, who uses product photography and photographers and models and all that, yeah. now they can pay one guy to sit there in front of Adobe and say, take this product, yeah. type in this prompt, this is, bam, there's your image, done. You know, I was one thing I loved about my phot photography teacher was, um, you know, the first year in his class, we didn't touch, you know, Adobe Photoshop or any kind of editors or anything. He he taught you the raw form of photography, like how to develop film, exposure, developing your pictures in the old traditional black rooms and everything. I think I remember seeing some of your photos way back when that you had actually done <laughs> yeah. that. And I never dabbled in that and, type of photography at all. And, you know, and he, he you know, he would talk about how photography is losing its true art form of raw pictures because he's like if you take a look back at the old days and you know in national geographic and stuff you know some of the shots are actually shot being untouched you know and he's like it's a good and evil with video you know photo editors because you can manipulate so much about the picture but he's like if you want to be a true photographer you got to be able to get that shot just you know a raw shot and then you know you can go and you know, touch it where you need to and stuff. But he's like, you know, people are now so dependent on technology where, oh, I shot a crappy picture, but I can just, you know, take the editor and put filters and throw some lipstick on the pig and call it good. Yeah, it's it's something that is insane. And I, I manipulate my photos. I won't even lie. But there there is a limit I will go to on yeah. that. And there are sometimes... I get so annoyed because people will like send me something on Instagram and be mm -hmm. like, look at this photo. I'm like, that's not a photo anymore. And it will be yeah. like something of the Aurora Borealis, you know, mm -hmm. you get that very vibrant color in the sky up in like Canada and yeah. stuff like that. And you look at these images, people capture of it. And it's like, oh my God. But then you look at the raw photo before the edit and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, it's actually not that spectacular. Yeah. Well, you know, my photography teacher, you know, he's like, if if a person's a real photographer, they will understand everything about their camera. You know, he's like, you get these people that, you know, claim that they're a photographer and they can take pictures, but you ask them, okay, how do you work your camera? Like, what do you set the exposure? What's your settings? And they're like, uh... I think I just set it on auto and just take the picture, you know, yeah. I mean, and that's, a, it's a true art form because you have, to, if you're a real photographer, you have to understand your equipment and what your, you know, lenses do and what your, the body of the camera does. Yeah. You don't just get out there and just snap the photo and it's over. But nowadays it kind of, it's gotten that easy. Like you say, a lot of people take pictures with their iPhone because the iPhone can, you know, AI learn and take, mm -hmm. you know, and just all the exposure and airing for you. Yeah, cell phone photography is a huge thing to where you're no longer messing around with the aperture, shutter speed, anything like that. The phone is just saying this is what we need for the perfect exposure. That's bam. that's why I like, you know, that's why I like, that's why I have respect for real photographers that you know actually take it as an art and take it seriously and understand everything about their equipment their camera their exposure because then you know that they truly love the art and 
they know how to use their equipment. Yeah, and that's one thing that's getting really weird in this day and age is where I think, and it, it is scary because no longer are people appreciating the true forms of art. Like someone went out and drew this. Someone went out and mm. shot this. They're appreciating these very pretty forms of art and perfect forms of art that are solely created using like just software with typed in prompts like AI creating it or, mm -hmm. you know, for instance, when you go to trade shows and stuff like any of these horror trade shows or things like that, I always love when I see like oil paintings or drawings for sale and stuff like that. But then you go to these artists, um, they're still artists in their own right, but they're like got the mass eight by 10 prints of Jigsaw Michael Myers and all these characters looking like cartoons Oh yeah, that are just like very perfect looking, but they're all just rendered in like a design software. And I don't like that type of art. I like seeing mistakes in the work sometimes. Yeah, I don't like I, the rough raw stuff. Yeah. Is, to that's me. what I've always liked is raw stuff. And we're, we're, more so getting away from that appreciation in the art form and going into just this digital mass produced art. That's just, I was um, explaining to Summer the other day, cause she's a big pop collector mm -hmm. and it, in her own right. I mean, everyone deserves what they like, but she, she, I don't know how much she's into it anymore, but she has a huge pop collection, Funko pop. Mm-hmm. I absolutely hate Funko Pop. <laughs> I've always hated them because I'm like, no, action figures should be accurate and you pick the character and the artistic quality and someone had to... You're like, I'm the McFarland fanboy. <laughs> like, I want, like, realistic. Yes, and, <laughs> and the Pops are just like the... Rush them out. Use one mold <laughs> for 50 different characters. And yeah. It's just... I don't know. It's the way <laughs> art is sold nowadays. Is It's sad and, like, art itself... And the expression of it is getting harder to show people. Like, it's so easy to get your art out there. It's so hard to get it seen. Yeah. And I, you know, really, that's tough for me. I've never looked at, like, making uh, a career out of photography or anything like that. But it's it's also scary because I look at it, I'm like, are they, are they even going to sell cameras in the next 15 years? Or all these companies that make cameras, are they going to say you know what, we're not selling enough of them. It's not worth it. So there'll be like two camera manufacturers left that are like super expensive because it's one of those boutique mm. hobbies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because cell phones are coming up with great cameras in them. Um, less people are even taking shots. They're just making amazing art that everyone goes, whoa, but they just typed some prompts into the AI yeah. photo editor and made something crazy. And yeah. I mean, it's cool that you can do that, but it's also taking away from the humanistic element to art. And it's kind of depressing. Yeah. And I mean, you see it like we're talking about young uh, children at the beginning of this episode and like the difference we had in technology versus them. And you probably deal with this. So and I see it um, both male and female kids, teenagers, primarily and high school kids, they are coming up. And it's like a coming of age, you know, so they're getting into like looking pretty for the opposite sex or the same sex or whatever. And they want to mm -hmm. be flashy, dashy and all that. And I mean, we were all there when we were kids. You want to be like, yeah, cool looking. But now they're up against this expectation 
of this over over sexualized like shit just pushed in their oh, face yeah. Oh, yeah. of like photoshopped perfect you know what i mean oh yeah and it's like i don't know how that would be to be a father of three girls and you have to (laughs) somehow explain to them the girl in that photo right there that looks perfect has no acne no dimples no no nothing her teeth is perfectly white that's that might not even be a real person anymore yeah (laughs) well i mean the biggest thing especially with three girls in a teenage stage of their life um usually have the one that will thinks they want to be 18 already and thinks they have life figured out. And then you have the one that's um, not really into makeup or anything, just kind of does their own thing. And then you have the one that follows the middle child and like wants to be like her. And like now in day and age, it's just like the access to like, just kind of like the evilness of the world, like with pornography and sex trafficking. Like I talk to them all the time, like, you know, you might think you're cute, and your friends dress like this, but also too, there's bad people out there that look at that and they're like, Ooh, you know, I'm a pedophile. I'm gonna go snatch you up. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I told him, it's like, you know, it only takes a split second to be gone forever. Yeah. I, I, like, I can't even imagine. And you became a dad like overnight too. Yeah. I like was, you had I, to I, learn. <laughs> I, I, I instant family at 31. I was like, you know, I just want, you know, jump, take the big leap and get three kids automatically and, <laughs> yeah. and a wife. But I mean, I love them to death. And you know, I, they, they sometimes are like, God, dad, just relax. You know? And it's like, no, like you gotta understand there's some bad people out there that, you know, they groom you, you know, because like our girls are like, well, why can't we have Snapchat or Instagram? My friend has Instagram or TikTok. It's like, there's bad people out there that will tell you, Oh yeah, I'm 13 and groom you. And then, Hey, let's meet up. Where do you live? And then, you know, then your kid gets snatched up and then it's done and over. I yeah. mean, the the chances of you getting your child back is very slim to none. I yeah. Mean, eventually they just rape them and murder them and bury them somewhere or drop them off in a ditch. Yeah, it's it's a it would be very terrifying to me to be a father of male and female, but female children would be especially troublesome to me mm-hmm. due to the fact of I I actually don't know the stats whether males or females get sex trafficked more but I'm I think just, I think it's a combination of both. both I mean there's there's a lot of I mean the sex trafficking of kids it's horrible I mean these these violent people they're looking for boys and girls they don't care I mean yeah and well God, I was reading this article just the other day, and it was uh, a 19-year-old girl who um, was walking home, and a guy stopped and said, hey, do you want to ride? She trusted the guy, got in the car, and he had her locked up in his shed for like five, oh, six yeah, days. Did you see yeah, that? And the yeah. cops got her and her just totally oh, yeah. wrecked. And I'm like, you saved this girl. This is great, but this man has destroyed her for the rest of her life because she is going to have so much trauma. Oh yeah, trauma, from this experience. PTSD. I mean, things are in trigger. You know, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's it's kind of interesting with the three because I always try to protect them as much as I can, but sometimes, like, I sit there and think, like, I hope they really take this serious. How how do you balance that? Because you can't be like overprotective. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you can, but it seems like. You have to have a a very, I would think, 
not apparent, but like a very middle ground approach because you don't want to be so lax that yeah. they're just doing whatever the hell they want. But if you're super strict, I remember having my, my parents were very middle of the road. Mm -hmm. They were like, don't screw up here, but don't go do this either. Yeah. And so I kind of like raised myself a little bit with yeah. side moral guidance, but you know, I've seen the exact opposite thing happen with like, you remember Trafton? Yeah, yeah. His parents were super religious, super strict, super everything. And on all of my friends I've had, he was the one that went down the most screwed up path. You know, I found with raising the girls, like, you know, at first I was like the hardcore strict disciplinary one. And I realized that's not the best option for them because then just be like, dad's a drill sergeant, dad's this, you know. Um, you have to find a, a good healthy balance between it all. You got to kind of let them make their own mistakes and learn from it. But I try and still them like, you know, like, for example, like my one daughter will be like, oh, you know, I, you know, my sister told me to do it. Well, ultimately, you made that decision to do that action. Yeah, but she told me I was like, yeah, but from right there, you have a choice either to do it or not to do it or come tell us and say, hey, you know, my sister wants me to do this, but I don't really want to do it. Then we can address it. I was like, you ultimately... You can only teach your kids so much, but and this is what I've learned is they're and ultimately make the decision they want. And sometimes that is the bad decision. And they have to learn from it. And it's hard because you're like, you want your kid to do well in life that you don't want them to make bad choices, but they aren't make bad choices. They aren't make mistakes. They're human. We all are human. We've all made bad decisions, bad mistakes. And we're like, holy crap. Like, yeah, maybe I should have listened, you know, and just kind of took that advice for what it was worth. But it comes down to this, all that balance and and staying calm and just, you know, educating them about, you know, sex trafficking and how these people will groom you and lie to you and manipulate you to get what they want from you. So do you, so do you allow your kids, your oldest is 13 now? 14. 14 and your youngest is? 11. So are they on any social media or have you kind no, of been like, no. nope, no social media yet? No social, no social media yet. I mean, they have, um, they have phones, but, um, we don't have service to them. They just use them on Wi-Fi and their old phones. And there's a, a Google app that you, for Android that you can control the whole aspect of the phone where they can't download Snapchat or TikTok or, any of the things you can set time limits, um, scream time, like, okay, you only get three hours, you know, because if you give them free range, they're be on the phone constantly, nonstop, 24 seven. Yeah. And that's another thing is when, what is a healthy, robust amount of screen time? Because obviously technology has become such a part of everyone's lives that it's a necessity to almost learn to be able to make it successful in this day and age, I mean, just this podcast requires background and technology yeah. and how things mm -hmm. work, but how much is too much? And God, I see it nowadays. And I mean, kids, their heads are all in phones. Adults, oh, yeah. their heads are all in phones. It's like my kids are like, well, what did you do at our age? I'm like, I was, and they're like, did you play video games? I'm like, yeah, we played video games here and there, but most of the time we were outside using our imagination, playing soldier, playing football or goofing around, riding our bikes, going to the park. We were out and about in the, you know, in the neighborhoods and having fun. And yeah, it's that is one <laughs> thing that I think is ultimately lacking in this new generation of children is 
the creative imagination process, like maybe, maybe they have it. But to me, like you said, yeah, I had video games. I had Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo. Yeah. We played PlayStation all the of time. Of course. But we were also always out in out in the outer world. We were like, you know, if I think about kids, and there's a movie that I always think about that I relate to highly, and it's that movie The War. Do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Kevin Co- yeah. It's Kevin Costner and Elijah Wood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like me in my childhood, hanging out in the places we shouldn't that are all yeah. dirty and gross, but... Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm not telling kids to get out there and hang out in the junkyards and, you know, but yeah. there is like a, just even in your own backyard, going out there and just letting your imagination run wild. And had a, I remember growing up and I was fighting off demon orcs and stuff in the yeah. backyard with, you know, a sword and a shield and or a piece of wood or whatever. Yeah. And, and like army men and like this is one thing that's crazy to me is like you don't see in stores or i mean i haven't seen in toy stores very often the uh like guns and facsimiles of guns and you know so i mean you see nerf guns and stuff but i remember we had like full on like looking at m16s and stuff yeah and i realize like the reason why people probably wouldn't want those sold in stores anymore like we don't want to make guns out to be toys for kids but i'm like the more hidden guns have become from the youth i don't think it's transpired evenly like like there's more mass shootings like yeah you know you you know there's been a big shift in society i mean if you look back you know i was having a conversation with my boss and he's i think he's right around 67 69 and you know he said you know there's been a big shift in society because you know back when he was in high school i mean you literally have high school boy guys with their trucks roll with the windows rolled down and they would have a rifle rack in their back window with a shotgun and a hunting rifle and everybody respected it. Nobody touched it. Nothing. There was so I feel like society has made a big shift and change. I think society has become very I I feel like they're pressuring us to become more antisocial and just stay in your house and have everything delivered to you. And it becomes a very lazy society because well, I, I don't want to have to go walk in the grocery store and walk down the aisles to grab, you know, my food list for the week. You know, that that's that's too much work. So I'm going to sell my butt and get, get on my iPad and and do my food list and then just have it delivered to my house. You know, um, it's good and bad because, you know, I find that's good for people that are like in wheelchairs or immobile or, you know, people that are sick dealing with things it's a great thing for that. But I mean, society wise, it doesn't do anything. It's like when you go to like Walmart or target in these places and now it's all self checkouts and you literally have the one guy, the one guy that controls the whole self checkout. And then when you actually need his help, he's just like, he's on his cell phone. He's just like, Oh, I gotta go help this customer. Worst day of my life. Yeah. And I, then and then you like try to strike up a conversation with the guy. And he's just like, yeah, it's done. It's taken care. And he just leaves. And it's like, holy crap. Like, I mean, one thing I've been working on a lot lately is having human interaction with people. Older generations, I'll wave to them, say hi, tell them have a great day or I'll give them a compliment because I'm like, it makes me feel good. And it makes that person feel good because they're like, especially the older people, they're like, holy cow, like somebody's actually saying hi. Like this is like the old days. I mean. 
I deal with service people, you know, I tell like crossing guards, bus drivers, police, military, I'll go shake their hand. Thank you for your service. Thank you for what you do, because, you know, we don't appreciate you enough. Well, first responders have been demonized in the past five years so horribly from police, fire, military, all of that to be this career choice you don't want to go into and a bunch of bad people controlled by evil. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, I've it's like, you know, people are like, oh, the, you know, the military and this and this, you know, I have a friend that spent 10 years in the Marine Corps, you know, and he's like, they don't ever see what we have to go through and how little pay we get, you know, to serve our country. And he's like, you know, I mean, what these people go through and when they come back, like, there's they, there's no support. Like my friend, like he came back, he really had a mental breakdown. He was drinking his life away. He didn't see his kid till she was three years old. Like didn't get to see her till she because he was deployed all the time. I believe it, and, and I think I think there's a very important fact that we kind of just hit, but I want to like reiterate on it is nowadays, and I think th- so. I get a lot of questions from, or not questions, but I talk a lot to a lot of people throughout mm-hmm. my life and throughout my day. And I deal with a lot of individuals and every once in a while when like a mass shooting or uh, an act of violence will come up, that's kind of, kind of like unspeakable. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe this pe- person did this. And so I tend to get uh, like from older generations, it's like, well, it's all these movies and video games and glorification of violence that it's doing it. And to no. me, I think it's I would, mental illness. I, yeah, I, I would say it's a product of what we've created out of society to be so we have dehumanized people so much oh, yeah. through our social disengagement from each other that, like you said, you don't even talk to the clerk uh, ringing you out at the grocery store anymore because you're not ringed out by anything but a, a machine. machine. Yeah. And so now everyone are just these things things are not people like you see the way people talk to each other online and oh yeah well i mean look at for example in utah especially utah county in the eagle mountain area i live in the eagle mountain area and i mean the road rage and these people they're like psychopaths on the road like i mean it's legit like i literally had an incident where this guy he went to go cut me off and i just tapped my horn like dude i'm here like calm down like we're all you're saving yourself two seconds. If I bet you $10, if you get 10 cars ahead of me, I'm going to see you at the light. And he literally went irate and berserker on me and literally cut me and blocked me in, boxed me in on a main road and like wouldn't let me pass. And I literally had to pull out my phone and start recording him. I was like, dude, you're getting recorded right now. I'm like, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to show you aggression. I was like, you probably have a wife and kid at home right now that wants to see their dad, right? Yeah. I was like, do you want to go spend your night in jail and get arrested? I was like, because that's what's going to happen to you. Yeah, it, that's no joke. I And once he knew I was recording him, he backed off and got in his truck and he flipped me off and drove off. And I'm like, dude, like. And some people don't even care about that. And that's, I always tell everyone, disengage from road rage. Never, never flip someone off. Never yell at. It just escalates the situation. And you don't know. People are are like all on edge so much they will get out and they will shoot your ass and yeah. they won't even think twice about it. They don't even care about jail. Oh, like yeah. whatever. Yeah. They'll just bam, you're dead. They'll go to prison, whatever. But in that time they're going to get their satisfaction. I, I remember, um, 
I mean, it's just like, you know, like you have talked in different podcasts and on social media. I mean, it's crazy to think somebody gets so impatient because they have to stop for a bus because their lights are on. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, then you know what? Leave 10 minutes more earlier. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So uh, I did this whole news story Mm -hmm. um, and it aired last week. Yeah, I saw that. And I always love to go on the comment section and see what the comments are saying about the news story because I've done quite a few of them over the years. Yeah. And this lady, I'm assuming it was a lady based on the screen name on the comments board, was talking about how ridiculous it was, though, when she got stuck behind the bus because the bus had multiple stops on the road, that it would make her 15 minutes late when it should only take her two minutes. And that's, she was like, that bus should pull over every time they're done loading and unloading to let all the cars pass. And it's like in a perfect world, maybe, but we are on a time schedule just as much as you. You know what, though? But that, that same person would want people to respect their kid if their kid was on that bus. Yeah. And well, the comments back to her were great. I was like, OK, there's still great people in this world because they were like, OK, so you want the bus to pull over five times for you to save your 11 minutes, but you could just leave five minutes earlier to work and be fine. Oh, yeah. It's I like mean, I saw this one person go irate because um, the time I leave in the morning, yeah, I hit all because I've dropped my kids off the school and then I hit all, you know, the buses, you know, picking up kids. And this one guy was going berserker because the bus literally took probably about five minutes. They were uh, um, loading up a, a kid in a wheelchair. Mm hmm. And I looked over at the guy. I'm like, are you an idiot? Like, it takes time. Like, they have to load him up. Then they have to run straps to the wheelchair and make sure he's secure so he isn't wheeling around. Like, calm down. Like, yeah. if you're that concerned about getting to work, then leave earlier or find a different route. Exactly. Patience is another Nobody thing Nobody has patience society. anymore. It's like, like we said, we've dehumanized everyone and no one has patience. And everyone's time is valuable. But yours isn't. Yes. So I had an instance at work yesterday. I have been on this employee of mine since July to get this required training done. Mm -hmm. Made time for him time and time again. He's blown me off time and time again to get this done. Finally made a phone call. It's like, you have to get in and get this done. This is no, like, I have to be a little bit more forceful. This is optional. This this, is required for your job. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, I'll come in today. Doesn't come in. It's the end of the day, four o'clock. I'm going home. Mm-hmm. He comes in. I'm here to do that now. I'm like, no. He's like, I'm here. I took my time to come here. I'm like, no, you you are now making this. It's already all been about your time and never yeah. respecting mine. Mm-hmm. You, I'm not doing this with you. Yeah. Because it's Friday. It's four o'clock. I'm going home yeah. to my family. You can go to that computer and you can figure it out. Yeah. But I'm not going to play this game yeah, because my my time is just as val- valuable as yours and well, you've you gave shown me. plenty of times and plenty of options to do it. Yeah, and people are like that. And and I'm a patient person. I am in no way not like, patient. Like me, like I'm at the store and if I know they're a new employee and they're struggling, you know, with the cash register or where they're doing, you know, and then they're like, I'm so sorry, sir. You know, I'm trying. And I'm like, relax. I'm like, I'm a patient person. Take your time. Yeah. But the problem is, is they're encountering five people before you yeah. that are 
visibly. I hate when people get yeah. visibly irritated yeah. by that stuff. They're like, it, it's like, you know, like, you see the light light up in their face when they actually have somebody that's decent to them and understands like I, I was, hey, with all my jobs, I've had to have patience people with me like when i got into logistics i knew nothing about logistics nothing i didn't know how to mail a piece of mail <laughs> and here here my boss is like well you're gonna handle the logistics and the shipping for and operations for our company and i'm like oh great yeah <laughs> but well, i mean with patience and people having patience with me and helping me i got through it i mean that's all it's about like i mean it's sad in this world today that it's like it's coming down to like people are just like mean and rude and like i'm all about just making people happy like let's all just be happy and help one another and get along and like i've learned time is so precious you only get so much time it's like you know i i've seen where you know steve job comments and a lot of people where they're on their deathbed and they're like yeah I have billions of dollars but i can't buy time yeah no no one can buy time and, and what you do with your time is so important and Another thing, what what gets me with people, so I hate when I hear the excuse, I don't have time. I'm like bullcrap. So you like I'll, I'll get a lot of that from some employees. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to do this training, Marcus. Yeah. What are you talking about? Oh, I'm busy. Look, I get up at 6 a.m. or I get up at 4.40 a.m. to get to work by 6. And you do routes and you train. And then and I'm not <laughs> off work till 5. I come home, I have five cats here, two dogs, 10 chickens. I take care of all of them. I go to the gym and take care of my health as well. Yeah. Then I do my podcast, my photography, all of that. And then I still have time. Yeah. I have time. I only need eight hours of sleep. I, you know, some people might need more. <laughs> some people might need less, whatever. Yeah. But my point is, is time, You if it's like... You control your time and where you put your time to what's important. But if I have something that's required of me, yeah, I can put time away to do that yeah. and then still have time. But we have not only dehumanized people nowadays and um, become so used to the concept of our time just matters so much that people like they don't know the value of time and they waste it. Like how many people do you know will, and it drives me nuts. I'm like, they'll be like, oh yeah, I finished this whole season of, you know, this yeah. on Netflix over the weekend. I'm like, oh, but you didn't have time to do this <laughs> training that I've been getting on you to do, but you could watch 12 <laughs> yeah. episodes an hour each of <laughs> Joe Schmo and the, yeah, it's, it's, and it's not even infuriating to me because it's like, okay, that's what you like to do with your time. But then don't tell me that you don't have time to work out. I just don't have time yeah. to be healthy. Well, you know, it's like, you know, one thing I learned from grandpa is, you know, because um, I have my bouts of it where you're kind of like, well, I'll do I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow or I'll finally do this or finally do that. You know, and he would call it the Miana syndrome. Yeah. And you would always just put off and then tomorrow never and then tomorrow never comes. And you're like. Oh, I ran out of time. Like I didn't do this. You know, it's like, um, I like that blink One Eight Two song that ju they just came out with. I think it's called like on, on a time or something. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the song name, 
but they were talking about in the song, like if you pay attention to the lyrics, um, they talk about how people like some disastrous has to happen for people to reconnect or make that point to make that time now to, Oh dude, you got in a plane crash. You almost died. Like, Oh man, my life wouldn't be, you know, complete without you. And then you're like, yeah, I'll make time. And then you never make time, you know? And it's like, and that's one thing I've learned. Like, it's like me, like I had a bad time of procrastinating with just, yeah, I'll, I'll get to, it, I'll do it. Some of it deals with my ADHD and I found with my ADHD instead of just pumping Adderall in me, <laughs> I mean, nothing wrong with med medication. If you need it, you need it. I'm more of a person that I try to problem solve some of my issues. And then if I can't still, you know, solve it, then, you, then I'll look towards medication. Um, with ADHD, like I've found where I'll, you know, at work, I'll make a list of things I need to get done that day or things even at home or something I need to do. And I cross off or I'll put in my phone and just cross off every time I complete something. It helps me, you know, um, it's like this, you know, today, like, you know, there was a part of me like, okay, like, you know, you could just be like, well, you know, I just, you know, and, and it's like, no, like get off your ass, get out there and go do it. You know, it's like, I, I feel because I've done that a lot in my life where I was just like, oh, you know, I'll do it. And then I, I get cold feet about it or something, or I, I feel sick to my stomach. And then I'm like, oh, I'll just, you know, make up an excuse, you know? And it's like, and lately, like with my life, with my mental health and everything, I got in a really dark place with, um, with a lot of things with my mental health, with, um, I became a very toxic person and I started hating society, the people around me, everyone, you know, and I, uh, it was really getting really bad to the point where I almost just wanted to disappear not be like commit suicide or anything, but just kind of like they fall, leave my phone, leave everything behind and just kind of get on the next Greyhound bus and <laughs> see where it takes you, you know, go, you know, somewhere, you know, and I found that. I took that hard, cold look in the mirror and I was like, you know, instead of blaming everyone else for your problems or what you're feeling or what, what's wrong with you and what do you need to work on? Like, if you don't like the way you're getting treated, well, how are you treating them? You know, do they want to be around you? Do they like you? Like, they don't like being around an asshole or somebody that's like, I hate the world. I hate everything. Like, and I mean, that's where I was getting to where I was just hating everything and just like being so toxic. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And, and a lot of it came from watching the news. The news is so depressing to me. I, I stay away from it now because I, it just brings me down. Um, all they want to talk about is what sells is crime, violence. There's good things going on in the world, but they don't want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And then another thing is, is, um, I would get on Reddit and Reddit is a whole nother <laughs> down the rabbit hole. Experience. Yeah. I, I've never <laughs> done Reddit before, but I've heard it can be very, uh, um, time consuming and very, uh, well, I mean, you get on it because I was like really engaged with the Ukraine and Russian war. And like, I was watching these videos of like actual combat footage and I'm watching, you know, people lose their lives and everything. I was getting so desensitized and just in, um, I can't count how many and <laughs> like just on YouTube, I've gone down that yeah. rabbit hole where I'll be like watching a yeah. police body cam footage 
And then next thing I know, I'm watching some dude. I literally just seen this two days ago, get his face blown off with a shotgun by an officer. And I was like, I was, it didn't even really affect me. And I was like thinking about it. I was like 10 years ago. Yeah. This, I would have been like, what the hell? Yeah. And now I'm just like, meh. Like, I remember when you used to have to go to, like, those underground Best of Gore and stuff to see that stuff. And now it's just blatantly there. And see, with me, like, I was hyper-focusing on all the negativity in the world, the war, watching these, you know, seeing these clips and reading. I was filling my life with just toxicity, just just bad stuff, evil stuff. And I'm like, you know, dude, like, you got to cleanse all that. Like, let's... (laughs) Let's flip on some dinosaur show or Rugrats or something. Yeah, yeah, go some, back to the land before time. <laughs> get, get some get some wholesome in your life, you know. And and that's what I've been working on in the last few weeks is is changing my mindset and really engaging people and loving people and just in general, just not just my family, just people in general. No, I I so we were talking a little earlier about how people don't really talk to each other anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I see that hugely with the younger generation and even my generation and your generation. But I remember um, not too long ago, I was uh, getting my oil changed. And so, I mean, this was now you could just stay in your damn car to get the oil changed. But yeah, we get out of the car, go into the lobby. And there was like five people in there. And I sat down next to this older gentleman who was kind of rougher looking, like rougher around the edges type guy i'm kind of being a little stereotypical like oh mm-hmm. maybe he's but then it, we just started striking up conversation and we just talked for like 40 minutes while they serviced our vehicles because it was pretty busy that day yeah everyone else in that lobby was engulfed in their phones just you know yeah. and they would kind of look at us because i was like laughing and we we're like having this conversation like we were strange i felt yeah. like this judgmental aspect on us like why are you guys talking to each other you should be in your phone (laughs) yeah talking to someone or comparing your life to someone else's life or like you said going down the rabbit hole of dark news yeah (laughs) you this is what you should be doing you should not be talking yeah i feel i seriously feel like i am becoming more awakened in the recent years and it's like I tell everyone you need to go. There's like movies you need to go watch. I tell everyone watch American History X because it can show how easy humans can turn hateful. I tell everyone go watch uh, Requiem for a Dream because I say it shows how easily people can get addicted to things. And lately I've been telling people you need to go watch John Carpenter's They Live (laughs) because this is our society. Consume, consume, (laughs) consume, obey. Consume, obey, conform. And it's just like we, it's those glasses, man. And it's like this veil has become like, it's just been lifted and I'm like seeing all this stuff. I mean, even John John Carpenter, I, I will. I read this recent article with him. He's like, yeah, Hollywood isn't my place. I just want to play video games and hang out. (laughs) And that's another thing that is just so disgusting to me is Hollywood. Like, why do we have to rely as a society on Hollywood to make anything? Like, why are they in charge of the entertainment world? And I mean, I want movies with substance yeah and hollywood is not turning out movies with substance anymore they are turning out summer blockbusters and i'm not trying to 
tell anyone that, you know, their movies aren't worth it. Like, yeah. you know, a good superhero movie every once in a while. What the hell? But that's all they put out now. It's yeah. just the Marvel DC universe, well, blah, it, blah, 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 blah. It's like my friends, they went and saw the Oppenheimer movie. That was a good movie. That was a way good movie. And people were like, my friends were like, dude, I hated it. I'm like, why? Well, I thought I wasn't seeing nuclear explosions and like action in this. I'm like, dude, like then you went to the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah. Then you don't know the director well. <laughs> yeah, you need to go see uh, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, number 75. And you know what? I loved Oppenheimer because it brought, I loved what it talked about with Oppenheimer. And I loved how it was like, no, nukes aren't, you know, glorified and like, Oppenheimer was like, no, we need to control this shit. And like, we're not and do hydrogen fusion and bombs. And like, I regret ever doing this. Yeah, I and that was a really good movie. And it was kind of refreshing. And like I said, you know, the superhero movies, stuff like that. That's fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a horror fan. All the horror movies are the same damn thing, too. Yeah. But it's nice to get that refreshing thing. But I don't think that a lot of filmmakers are getting that opportunity because they're like it's a gamble mm -hmm. is this movie going to work because we know the formula that works of the explosions and well, the transformer I mean, type movies i saw a recent article where terrifier 3 the director's like i don't care i don't need hollywood he's <laughs> like i'm gonna still do the controversial opening scene and i don't even give a shit well and i think that scares <laughs> hollywood and the hollywood elite and that because people are realizing there are so many ways to get your stories out there like i kind of talked earlier but that's what it is it's it's easy to get it out there it's hard to get it seen so that's hollywood is what gets you seen yeah it's like us but, older people we like we're like hell yeah like terrifier isn't conforming to hollywood and like they're just like saying fuck it we'll just we'll produce just make it whatever <laughs> yeah distribute ourselves it's funny that you bring that up though because we're talking about how we have been desensitized through <laughs> yeah and that movie is those are pretty graphic and uh, yeah. violent but i don't think kind of getting back on what we originally were kind of talking about earlier was violence towards people where it's a lot of people say it's the video games that says i i'm with you i think it's just we have so trained our society to not look at people as people anymore. You know, I went and saw the Five Nights of Freddy movie and, you know, that's gotten review bombed and people are just like, oh, it's such a horrible movie. And like I've played the games and I've kind of been a big fan of it, you mm -hmm. know, and I took my kids to see it. And um, what I liked about that movie, it was PG-13 and people were like, oh, why, why aren't the R rating? And it's like, well, you got kids playing, you know, that like this, the game and. And I liked what they did with the movie because they did like how Texas Chainsaw Massacre did, where they play off your psyche. Like, they show you what's going to happen, but they don't actually show the actual act. And they let your brain think you saw something, but you really didn't. Yeah. And that's what I loved about Texas Chainsaw Massacre because people claim that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like this blood gore fest. I'm like, actually, it really isn't. It no. plays on your psyche so much. And if they re-rated that <laughs> film, it'd probably be rated PG by today's standards. I mean, like the scene in the woods with Leatherface and Franklin. Mm -hmm. um, you think you saw Franklin get butchered to death, but really you just saw his back and the chainsaw going towards him, but you didn't see blood guts and splatter. They, they let your imagination mm -hmm. make it up. Yeah. And while we were talking earlier about that, not a lot of people have imagination now because they all want to just see it. Yeah. See everything. And 
Yeah, it's a it's a strange world. It's a very strange world. I mean, everything's consumed by, you know, get Amazon to your door. Then Walmart's like, well, we want that market, so we're Walmart plus in it. And I just feel like it's like, you know, it was funny because, you know, I have people like, well, why do you still have some of your movies? I'm like, well, because what if the internet goes out? What do I watch? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't really think about that. No, but, that's a you good know, point. I mean, you know, you get so consumed by digital media and stuff. And then if you don't have the physical and then the internet goes out, then what do you do? Like, you don't have it, you know? Well, yeah. And I, I, I mean, a lot of movies, no one even owns movies anymore. They just see them when they're streaming. No, like Best Buy, Walmart, they've all come out and said there's that no more physical. They ain't doing physical media anymore. Yeah, it'll be gone. And. That that's sad because I remember back in the days, the blockbuster days, there was really? there was something to that that made that was I mean made a human experience. I mean, how had, many how many hours me and you have spent FYE oh, look, yeah. looking through every single row of movie horror section yeah. just to find that perfect golden gem that we have hopes that's gonna be a killer. Well and I'm here to tell you when we talk about <laughs> violent individuals and we talk about people that commit violent acts and treat other humans like crap, you don't find them in the horror section. No. You find them over in the drama section. Yeah, you do. You do. I mean I mean horror fans, I mean like it, some of the nicest people you'll yeah, ever meet. You'll, they're a tight-knit group, and they welcome everybody. And, I mean, I think they're great people because I think they, you know, they watch the horror and, like, people are like, why can't you want? Well, also, too, I think as humans, we have a dark side to us and, and, and a portion of evilness in us that, like, watching the horror movies kind of keeps everything at bay. Well, and you, you know what I think, too, is also so we're talking about how people have disconnected from people. Horror fans aren't disconnected from people because the horror there's a community around mm -hmm. horror. There's like you go to these conventions, you meet yeah. a horror. You see someone with a horror shirt on out in public. You go talk to that. Person. Oh, yeah. You're like, hey, dude. I love that movie. <laughs> and then you strike up conversation. Yeah. You don't see no drama or romance yeah. festival. <laughs> I mean, it's like our, maybe there is it's like our friend Patrick, you know, I mean, people would look at Patrick and be like, oh, like he doesn't be a very talkative person. He's, you know, pushing horror merch and he's a horror movie. Yeah. Nicest guy in the world. First time I ever met him. Nicest dude. We'd be like, hey, man, how's it going? And you strike conversation with him and he'll talk with you for hours. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I would I would not put uh I even I would even go so far of saying like people seeing like things on YouTube and stuff that are these despicable violent acts towards people yeah. that have this sense of desensitizing people. But I still don't think that's the problem. I think the problem is we just don't talk to each other anymore. Yeah. We don't. I mean. And COVID really screwed that shit up too. Oh yeah, I mean, I try try shaking someone's hand nowadays. Oh yeah, no one wants to do it. Yeah, I remember when COVID first happened, and I didn't realize. I walked in the grocery store and I had a Walking Dead shirt on that my mom gave me, and I had a heavy metal shop face mask on, and on the shirt it said "Warning, we're all infected." <laughs> and I got so many dirty looks. I even had the Walmart manager told me, and they're like, "This is an appropriate shirt to wear at this time." I'm like, "If you can't have a sense of humor during this, you're going to blow your brains out because 
you need that type of humor to keep you together and through these times. Dude, and I thought personally me, I was like I was one of those people that I don't ever drink the Kool-Aid, but I drank the Kool-Aid during COVID and oh, I, I totally too. went like, I I got screwed. I literally had like a, a mental joker breakdown. <laughs> like, <laughs> my wife's like, you need to come and my wife's the one with the health anxiety and everything. And here I am going yep. <laughs> off and the radar. It's like I think about <laughs> it nowadays. It's like, what were you freaking out about? I mean, I was wearing I wasn't wearing no cloth I mean, mask. The, the, I wasn't even wearing N95s, dude. I was wearing P100 filters <laughs> yeah. and a full-on like respirator. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't screwing around. And, and you know, I was thinking, I was like, here we are, was wiping all our food with all these chemicals. Oh, God. We probably did more damage to ourselves with the chemicals than... I, I, was, just, than, than the, I was just talking to Summer <laughs> about this. I was like, we had to disinfect these buses after every... Um, group of children mm -hmm. so from high school to middle school to elementary so to think about it i was doing it one six times a day minimum yeah what the hell did all those chemicals do to me that like god i should have just <laughs> fuck you know yeah like is in 15 more years we're gonna figure out that all these cleaning chemicals <laughs> causes all these cancers or maybe even these damn vaccines yeah. We well, don't know. you know, what's weird is, you know, I think back on when uh, swine flu came out and there was no like. That was way no more panic. deadly. And what was crazy is I was working in Rentona at the time going to people's houses. And I remember when the day they said it, I went to a, a customer's house and her baby had swine flu and I didn't have a mask on it. I went in the house and airing and <laughs> delivered the mattress. And I didn't even think twice about like, well, maybe I should put a mask or something. Well, I think what COVID showed to all of us is you fear is contagious. Yep. Fear mongering and, and all yep, that. Yep. And it just spread like crazy. Yeah. And I mean, when I, I, I was a religious face mask wearer, I got more sick wearing that mask than I ever did. Yeah, probably getting all the bacteria and yeah. <laughs> well, I, and, and your body's carbon monoxide. Yeah, coming from your body, so you're breathing that back in. You know, like, yeah, I'm doing a great job here. Mask twenty four seven, about to die. <laughs> and but I, I also like, I tried to, I did my best to just tote the uh, line and you know, let's get through this. Yeah. But they just recently at my work, they were handing out these things. They wanted to do a survey to do another COVID vaccine clinic at our office oh, and they're like yes or no i was like no i am not putting any more i did the two that you guys asked me for yeah. way back when and i don't know what that's going to do to me now <laughs> in the future yeah. i'm not putting any more of this crap in my body yeah especially because you <laughs> you know big yeah, pharma I mean, and all this crap like, like you know um when i went to go do my third booster with my diabetic doctor i was like well what's your opinion on it? she's like well my personal opinion is that don't even do it. She's like, she's like, it's really not going to help you in any way. She's like, you've already had COVID once. She's like, you know, as, as not, essentially if you're in decent health, you're, you're going to get through it. So what, so that's her personal opinion. Did she have another opinion? Did she give you another one? My doctor um, opinion? <laughs> <laughs> well, she gave her doctor opinion. She's like, if if it makes you feel more comfortable and you, you want the vaccination, I'll, I'll administrate the vaccination. But you, you know, what? it's crazy that you bring that up, though, that we all have to tiptoe in today's society. And like, do you want 
my personal opinion or do you want the opinion that I'm supposed to tell you? Yeah. Everyone should just be giving their personal opinions. Like, just be who you are. Yeah. Stop tiptoeing around like crazy. Well, like, and, I, and I've learned with like being sick and illnesses and stuff, you can convince yourself. I mean, and you have anxiety. You oh, know? yeah. You can convince yourself of a lot of things. Like, I mean, I had some pilar cysts on the back of my head and I went down that Google Reddit search and I was like, well, you sent her dying, motherfucker. Like, good yeah. luck. The... <laughs> and then I went to the dot, the dermatologist and she removed them, did their... Bi- yeah, they were just pilar cysts. They're, they're from DNA. It's from your family line. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> health anxiety. I'm here to tell you health anxiety sucks and I suffer from it. But I, I'm getting better. Yeah. And <laughs> one of the ways I'm getting better is I'm training myself to say, you don't have anxiety. Mm-hmm. And there's something in the power of that when you tell yourself mentally, you don't have this, you get better. And I know, I mean, that's easier said than done because I still suffer from anxiety. But when you let your uh, anxious feelings and depressed feelings and you ultimately keep saying, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, Mm -hmm. I'm like me openly admitting Hospitals freak me out. Hospitals freak me out. Well, what's going to happen when I go to the hospital? It's going to freak me out. If I say, you know what? Hospitals don't freak me out. I still will probably have a little bit of fear going into one or a lot, oh, yeah, but I'm yeah. going to have less than mm-hmm. fully admitting that oh, I get, you know, yeah. mindset and the ability to tell yourself I can get through this oh, yeah. is I mean, huge. With me and with, you know, my mental things I've gone through, I've gone through different therapies, different things. And I have found with what I'm, what I go through with mental health and um, sometimes with depression and anxiety and all that, um, you know, one thing getting married and having kids, you know, it get, before I got married and had kids, it was it was still there, but it was more manageable. And then when I got married and had kids it was a big turn in my life of like, wow, you got a lot of responsibilities now. You got your father now, like you got, and so my anxiety and everything just shot up because I, I've learned like the two biggest things for my mental health is I'm having to learn to love myself and have self-esteem and also to, to know you're not going to be perfect. Like you're and still have your fits and battles with, depression anxiety some days are gonna be better than others but you keep hiking up that mountain don't get stuck at the well geez you know i had a because my biggest thing is i would um i would have a couple good weeks where i was happy i was doing well i was doing well at work home life everything and then i'd have a bad day something triggered me to go off the deep end of being depressed, mad, upset, angry. And then I would beat myself up for the rest of the night. Like, dude, you messed up. You're like, you fucked up. Like, you know, you're a piece of shit. Like, you know, you don't deserve to live. Like, and I've learned like, it's like a, it's like a drug addiction. You know, you have to tell yourself, yeah, I slipped, but I can get right back on that horse and tomorrow's a new day and I can keep moving forward or I can just stay here beat myself up and just keep beating myself up and not progress to anything, you know? And that's what I've learned with a lot of mine, especially lately. It's like, stop beating yourself up. You had a bad day. It's not end of the world. Like you can get back on the horse. You can say, Hey, 
you know, I slipped up, you know, it's like I communicate to my wife or my friends or people around me. I'm like, Hey, if you start seeing me kind of slip, uh, kind of slipping down that road, talk to me about it. like, Hey, how are you doing? Like what's on your mind? Or, you know, cause I mean, I need those kind of things because I, I will slip into that bad habit of just going down that hole. And it's just like, I've learned that I need to just, you know, focus on having good days, but I know also too, there isn't be those bad days and there isn't be that one moment where I fall off the edge of the earth and I need to get right back in and say, no, we're not going to tear ourselves down. You're going to have self-esteem. You're going to love yourself. Like you deserve to live and you deserve to be happy, but it takes time to, you know, you know, move forward and get this stuff under control. I mean, I've, you know, yeah, I could get on an antidepressant or stuff for anxieties and stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, the people that really need it, they need it. You know, and for me, um, I, you know, I'm still kind of working through all that. But I honestly try to find the solution, like, to this. Because I think with me, a lot of my problem is is, is the self-esteem and loving yourself. Because... For the longest time, I hated myself. I had no self-esteem. I gave up a lot on a lot of things. And like when I had people that would push me and then I would see like, man, you can do this. Like you can succeed. You know, it's like Core Junkies of Utah. There were so many times I tried to get that up off the ground and I give up and just be like, well, you know, it's just like, it's just not working. Then that one day you're like, dude, I'll help you. Like, let's do this. And then, you know, me, you and Craig started out day one and we trial and error and we, it was a good learning experience in my life because it taught me that, you know, if, if you really push yourself and you really just take that leap of faith, might pan out, might not, but at least you took that leap of faith, you know? Yeah. I think that's one of the things that people need to learn that you are the biggest obstacle to yourself. Yeah, you are. It's, is your self-doubt, your insecurities, your um, sometimes your lack of self-confidence can be a huge obstacle and getting make move yourself out of your own way and just like I you mean, said, no, at, you can do it. I mean, look at you. You took a big leap of faith when you did fire school. Yeah. I mean, you're not the typical stereotypical firefighter. You're not tall. You, I was like thinking to myself, I'm like, how the hell is Marcus and carry fire hoses that are like <laughs> big, as big as him? Yeah, no. So like, <laughs> and I'm not even, I'm not a firefighter at all. I, but I, I'll tell you what, I graduated top of my class with my certs. I still have my hazmat and my fire certs and my, yeah. e I don't have my EMT anymore because those expire, but it was important to me because I remember going through the fire academy. I remember day one, like we had to do this prerequisite class, which was kind of like an intro class for two weeks mm -hmm. about fire science and behavior. And then you get into the actual academy. And after day one, like six people dropped out. And I remember sitting there amongst some of these people and their fear and doubt was contagious to me. I was like, oh, I don't think I can do this. And they were like, oh, I'm, I'm dropping out. I'm not doing this. Because they gave you like one day to get like a 70% refund or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe. And then I was like, you know what? No, you are going to do this. Yeah. And I went through half of it. And then I had to conquer a fear I didn't even know I had. And that's claustrophobia. No idea that I had this fear. And they had us going through this thing, which they called the hell house. And it's basically these shipping containers, three of them oh, stacked yeah, on top those. of each other. Yep. 
that it's they run a hose line through there and you have to find your way on this hose line while you're on oxygen blacked out with the like they put this mm-hmm. um this mask thing over your um yeah it's SCBA. a similar like you're in a fire exactly so you can't see anything and you're in this fire gear, which is already kind of constricting, and you're on air, which is constricting, and you're putting yourself through these really tight scenarios. I freaked the first time, ripped off my mask, was like, get me the hell out of here, you know, and I yeah. went out, and I wasn't the only person. There was a few of us that just could not make it through the first time, yeah. and then they come talk to you. They're like, you got to trust your equipment. you got to get through this, and I said, okay, I can do this, and I got through it and did it wasn't fun yeah but i did it and doing that academy showed me a self-discipline and a it made me believe in myself because when i first went in i was like i ain't gonna be able to do this and then i graduated and got my certs and was like holy cow and even though i never i tried to get into the fire service as i got out but at that time public safety jobs were super popular Mm -hmm. i remember one of the tests i went on there was literally 500 applicants in two sessions testing in Murray high school for like 15 or 20 jobs. I was like, great. And it was like 10th of a percentile would eliminate you. Mm -hmm. So I didn't make it. And I mean, I could pursue it again because I think I have a lot more determination now, Yeah, but I enjoy what I do for my career anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, But getting through that Academy was so empowering because it showed like, yeah. And I was, I was probably one of the smallest people in that thing because it, literally I'm five, four at that time. I probably weighed 140 pounds yeah. <laughs> and everyone else was taller. I mean, there was actually, there was a few girls in the Academy and they kicked butt too. Yeah. And, I mean, it's yeah. like with uh, logistics, you know, that was, that's one thing I really hold on to because, um, when I got into logistics, I didn't have no formal background in it. I, I was scared shitless i was like oh crap how how am i gonna figure all this out you know and i just and that took a lot of believing in myself to learn that and i reached out to you know the shipping guys and they they sat and taught me the ropes i mean that's one thing about them they sat and taught me about customs dealing with logistics and everything and i mean i excelled at that and that's one thing i've learned also too in my life um don't ever be scared to fail, you know, at something you can always try again or adapt and change the ways, you know, I mean, um, for me, I get very scared of failure, you know, I, and that's why sometimes I get in the comfort zones of, well, do I really want to take that risk? Because I might fail at it, you know, but also too, if I don't take this leap, then you never know, you know, and then you're just stuck at the same position in life, you know? Yeah, I think that's so important. Like a lot of us do, we fear failure and we fear trying new things. And I got that out of my head um, probably around my late to mid 20s. I was like, you know what? I want to experience and try as much things as I can. I mean, I went, I was like, I had been at that time driving bus for quite a while, still enjoying it as a career. But I was like, dude, I want to drive a garbage truck. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so I went and tried driving a garbage truck and I hated it. I loved it for like a week and then I hated it. But I got to do one of my childhood dreams and yeah. I can say I've done that. And that's one thing. Everyone's always surprised when they learn how many little dumb things I've done. They've 
God, you've had a lot of weird jobs. I'm like, yeah, I wanted to try it. Yeah. Like, I wanted to do this. I want to do that. I don't, I don't ever want to be on my deathbed and regret not doing something yeah. because I could have done that. Like with the fire Academy, I could have been like, screw this. I'm out. This is too tough, too scary. Yeah. Or I could have done that with anything. And that's so applicable to all, um, areas in life with careers, relationships, projects, yeah. family, this, that traveled, you know, just yeah. get out there and do what you want to do because I literally woke up this morning and I was like, I am 33. 20 years ago, I was 13. <laughs> From 13 to 33, that time flew by like the blink of an eye. Yep. So in another 20 years, I'm going to be 53 <laughs> and yep. that's going to fly by like a blink of an eye. Yep. So your time is so valuable. Yeah. Get out there, experience life and do it. Yeah. And at that note, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, Eddie, thanks for coming out here and having like a random episode full of all sorts of different yeah. topics <laughs> from technology, um, raising children in this crazy world, mental yeah. health, and just all the obstacles that we have to get over in our own lives. And yeah, um, it's been fun. Yeah, it has. And I'll have you on again. And everyone out there, be happy, humble, and humorous and get out of your own way and go be successful. We will talk to y'all on the next one. See ya. See ya.